Welcome to the Soul Hubbers podcast with myself, Carrie Davis Munro. And with this session, I'm delighted to invite Pete Warnock. Hello there. Thank you Pete. for having me. Oh, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Do you know what? One of the things that I love about this is that you and I have been in Soul Hub probably from its inception or certainly from very early on. Um, and we've never actually had a conversation. So one of the things I'm already excited about is that we've already had a half hour conversation before we go live. And it's wonderful, isn't it, to connect? It is. It's crazy that that we can still be connected and all be part of the same thing. But but um, yeah, I mean, we're in different locations for a start. I'm, I'm down in Somerset and um, I presume you're in London, are you? I'm just outside London. Yeah, you're just right. That, that does make things a little bit tricky, doesn't it? Yeah, so I don't actually come to any of the any of the physical events of of, of Soul Hub, so but um, yeah. definitely um, supporting and loving it um, online. Yes, yes. So I should say we're all in a group. We're all in a number of groups, um, and we tend to connect and share and support, which which makes Soul Hub its beautiful, soulful place. So, Pete, oh my goodness me, as you've just said, we could probably talk for a couple of hours today. But there is one thing that I think we're going to bring out from today, and this is your absolute passion for for life um, and the thread of life. And as you said to me earlier, being in love with love and freedom, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only thing there is, is life. You know, this whatever this is, whatever you're feeling right now, this is it. And if we if we try and feel or if we try and want anything other than this, then we're going to suffer, you know? Um, and my whole journey is about, for one, dealing with my own suffering, learning to how, how to come out of suffering, and then teaching others how to come out of suffering too, because um, it, suffering is a relationship. So yeah, I think that's a, really a... vital coming out of the last few years. And I also think it's vital looking at, you know, what we see on social media at the moment, what we see out there in the wider world, you know, everything is about appearance, everything is about I want more, I want faster, I want better. It doesn't make people happy, Pete, does it? It doesn't. And it kind of almost drives them further away mm. from themselves, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for the next fix and the next fix and and all of this stuff outside of ourselves and all of all of social media and everything is all kind of dopamine led you know the mm. next thing the next thing the next thing or the build up and then you know and and actually mm. we're missing what is here and what is here is life and it is when we just drop our awareness just beneath the busyness mm. then we notice that we are absolutely ecstatic and mm. i i came to this through being with chronic pain for, for most of my life um, and then suddenly discovering that actually even with this cro chronic pain or strong sensation or whatever it is I still am incredibly ecstatic. Mm. It, it's funny isn't it because most of us have this feeling that I'm not enough or maybe life's not enough or maybe my relationship's not enough and I guess we just have to have that constant reminder, as you say. But, Pete, I want to go back. I want to stop you. So you've mentioned the chronic pain. Can we go back to because, you know, I guess one of the threads that I am finding with people in Soul Hub is that we all feel that we have got a calling. I feel that we are all doing our dharma. We're all doing the work and we're all finding our passion and purpose. But lots of us have had 
I don't know, near-death experiences or we've had trauma or we've had really difficult things go on in our lives. And I want to go back to five-year-old Pete, if we can, because, oh, my goodness me, that little boy, he had a lot going on, Pete, didn't he? Will you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, little Pete, my God, um, he 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 was he was a little bliss bunny initially. You know, he was absolutely off with the fairies. Mum would say that I would just sit there and sing, and I'd I'd climb trees, and I'd just be, I'd just be totally totally happy. Uh, and then lots of things conspired to um, stop that happiness. You know, um, I was changed from left to right handed um, at the age of five at school, which I kept hidden from my parents, you know, and because I was so shameful that I was wrong, you know. Um, That's wicked, I, Pete. I mean, I, I, I identify with you there. I remember my father telling me that because he was left handed and he was told that it was wrong and he was hit over the hand. Yeah. I mean, we're talking abuse, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I was hit with chalkboard, rub, the board thingies, board wipers. I mean, I was hit with rulers. I was shouted at. I was smacked around the ear. I, I almost went deaf, actually, in one ear because of, it was just one teacher, you know. Oh. Um, and and that coincided with me being circumcised as well. And at, at five years old, kind of suddenly mm. thinking that I'd been born wrong, you know, that I, that I was a mistake um, because all of this happiness suddenly just I lost I lost contact with it, you know, and started really reflecting on on me being wrong. And that that set up kind of the rest of my life for, uh, and until I kind of came home again, which God. happened much, much later on. So yeah. and I started having lots of injuries and lots of accidents around that time. So, mm. yeah, I want to talk about that. So I think that message of not being enough or being wrong you know, I really relate to that. I can feel a bit of a lump in my throat. You've just reminded me, my my eldest son had a very similar experience. He was just the most happy-go-lucky, charming, you know, I don't know, just, just in love with life, as you say. And then suddenly he started school and school, um, you know, they get very serious very quickly, don't they, just past the age of five. And like mm. you, discovered that he was dyslexic, dyscalculic, um had had some epilepsy and suddenly again it was ripped out of him he wasn't good enough wasn't enough that is is a big piece of trauma isn't it to handle yeah it is i mean it wasn't dis it wasn't discovered that i was dyslexic till just before my o levels um mm. when i was i i'd failed all of my mocks and was told you you're you're not going to you're not going to pass anything mm. and I, I i i managed to land myself an apprenticeship um and then had no pressure on me so I passed every single O-level um, with flying colours. I got an A, five Bs and a C. And it was just, um, yeah, and, and it was just because there was no pressure on me, actually. Yeah. But know? by that stage, Pete, you'd already been told that, you know, in terms of your identity, it was wrong, it wasn't enough. That had set up lots of limiting beliefs for you, hadn't it? You know, before the age of seven, almost. Yeah, absolutely, it had. Yeah. And I and my whole relationship with um, what I perceived was, um, I guess I, I perceived as God um, and and me being or I, I, I was in touch with a I was in touch with an intelligence that was beyond me, that was incredibly loving and incredibly beautiful. And that I would just kind of be in and rest in and love and be loved by. And that suddenly disappeared. Um, mm. because of my questioning of myself and being told that I was this that, and the other and everything. So, yeah, um, 
yeah and, and fear came into my life at the same time god that and that was yeah that was what something was that else fear due to um i came down the stairs one night and um my parents were watching telly and i saw and this is this is it's very early televisions you know and there was a picture of a werewolf there mm. um and and i just screamed um and um yeah because i i'm I'm kind of one of these people I can't separate fantasy from reality. Mm. Um, and so that became the reality of what what is in the dark. And I went from being from loving being in the dark to being absolutely petrified of being in the dark. Gosh, so, gosh. Yeah. So no, another bit of trauma. And Pete, you already mentioned that you had a couple of accidents, I guess. And, and those accidents, one, have informed your work, but two have been life-changing for you in terms of the lessons that you're having to live with so will you will you yeah. tell us about what happened to you yeah well one of them i was um I, I was i was always climbing trees i was always off with the fairies climbing trees um and i'd just stay up there and hang out and listen to mm. the birds and just kind of bliss out um and i would scurry down and kind of slide down the the, the tree to go off for my dinner and stuff and and i lost my my handhold and just slid right the way down this this tr tall tree i think it was a poplar tree um and there was a, a big stick one of it one of its branches was was sticking up and it, it i slid right onto it and it went through my scrotum through my perineum up into my abdomen oh, um and i kind of and i couldn't breathe because oh the basically the breathing was so painful um and at, at that point i didn't know that the the um pelvic diaphragm or the the um, pelvic floor and the um, breathing diaphragm were kind of connected and they move at the move in the same way at the same time um so but i i knew that if i breathed um i was in absolute agony and it was torture so i just held my breath and passed out um oh, and came round a bit later on um but that that then taught me um I, I then lived with this with this kind of the physical the physical thing kind of healed quite quickly mm. but there was there was something inside that um which we now know as trauma you know yeah. um, there was yeah. an echo inside that continued to inform my breathing and and um yeah so yeah. I mean really literally and metaphorically you you know this this thing had penetrated hadn't it and made its yeah. way made way in and actually has sat with you or stayed with you ever since as a bit of as a bit of a teacher but you know the chronic pain Pete how, how do you deal with that um it's all about relationship it's all about my relationship with sensation um and there have been key moments in my life when I've suddenly realized that actually um pain is a is made up of, of millions of different sensations all happening at once and i can either focus on it as one big thing and oppose it and if i oppose it i suffer or i can i can um, focus on the myriad fluctuations of sensation some of which are incredibly beautiful you know and um and then open myself up to receive it but it's, it's all very much around what we what we kind of um oppose that mm. creates our suffering but yeah. if if we if we were to meet every sensation every feeling that we have in the same way that we met excitement because if, if you look at fear and excitement they're mm. the same chemicals in the body 
You know, they're the same feelings, but with a different story. But with fear, we are opposed to it. And we think we think that kind of we're afraid and, and that this this feeling is happening to us. But actually, we are opposing it. You know, it's a really beautiful energy that we're that we're opposing. But if we actually go, take it in, we welcome it in as if it was um, excitement, then something else happens. You know, we we receive this rush of life. You know, we open to it and then whatever sensation is there, if we keep opening to it, it's just going to keep setting us free. It's going to keep opening us. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time we come into resistance, opposition, naming, judging, whatever it is, then, um, yeah, we start to suffer. So can I ask you a question around that? Because I'm sure you are aware of um, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Joe yep. Dispenza's work. So obviously he he began what he does because he was in chronic pain and he had a back injury, didn't he? I think he was in a car accident. Um, And he believes that we can move through and almost become somebody else, doesn't he? Through, Mm -hmm. you know, we get what we focus on. So as you were saying there, if we focus just on the pain and the fear and the difficult sensations, we're obviously going to get more. But he also believes that we can work through that. And obviously he he healed himself and he works with thousands of others to take away pain what, what would be your thoughts on that? Have you tried that? You know, what's your experience? I have done quite a lot of Joe Dispenza stuff and Ooh. it's not, it's not quite, it's not my, quite my flavor. Right. You know? Okay. Um, Interested to know why. Because I don't want to try and become something other than is already alive inside of myself. Mm. You know, I, I, mm. I personally don't want to um, limit myself by my beliefs and by my mm. thoughts. Mm. Um, and when I've when I've done a lot of a lot of the practices, um, I found that um, sometimes they're they're a little bit too a little bit too strong. And actually, mm-hmm. I'm more into feeling feeling my way into something and letting it unfold rather than pushing through it. And I've I've, I've tried the pushing through, and actually mm-hmm. pushing through works for a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And actually, yeah. um, for me. I, I pushed through a lot of things and actually I need to just really relax into and welcome and welcome and welcome and welcome and let it all unfold inside of me. And then I come back into union. Um, so yeah. it's, it's interesting you say that I've done a number of the meditations. I have, I have some back pain and you know, you, you don't get to this point in life. I was laughing with somebody. You always have at least three injuries on the go. Um, um, <laughs> they keep and, each other in balance, don't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but actually, the the, the uh, meditations don't sort of resonate with me. They, uh, you know, it's about finding alignment with where you're at, and I guess it is definitely about some acceptance. You know, trying to really be at one with it and being at peace with it. So, Pete. Can we come back to you said that, you know, unbelievably, because everybody told you you were going to be a failure. I mean, you're an incredible testament to the fact that, you know, you can be resilient with trauma, pain and people, you know, trying to to really ruin you. Um, so you did you came out of, of your or your O levels and you did really well. Tell us a little bit more about your um, your apprenticeship and what happened then, will you? So basically, um, I. I was offered an apprenticeship with um, a friend's father who escaped from East Germany. Actually, he was a glassblower from East Germany and he Mm. escaped to West Germany and then then Mm. to England. Um, And he taught glassblowing in in the kind of original old old school way. And um, 
I am I'm a Virgo. I love things um, being incredibly precise. I'm very, very ADHD. So I like to really focus on things and just and I went and did did a half day kind of just to, to see whether I'd like glass blowing. And within that sort of half day, I, I he said he said I'd done what kids do, what people can't generally do in six months. Um, wow. I just I just loved it. And I was just mm. fascinated. And I just threw myself into it and just I just wanted to understand it. Um, and through understanding it, through doing it, through understanding mm. it, then I kind of I yeah, I just found it really easy, actually. Um, yeah. And I adored it. And I, I kind of went through went through my my working life. So the next seven years learning and learning and growing um, um, alongside being incredibly dysfunctionally sexually. You know, that I was I had lots of lots of kind of issues around girls because of being circumcised and and all sorts of things. So I had on one hand, I had my my work life that was that was just like everything. It was amazing. Um, and on the other hand, I had this whole emotional life that I just couldn't quite couldn't quite meet. You know, so and, what was and... going on there, Pete, if you don't mind sort of letting us know, is that is that another sort of set of limiting beliefs? I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Or. Yeah, I mean, it was it was totally it was it, it came back to I'm, I was born wrong. You know, I was yeah. born wrong. I needed to be modified. You know, they modified me being left to right. They modified me by taking off my foreskin um, and and then kind of um, losing my virginity yeah. in a way that was that was really um, not um nourishing for me and believing that I was just absolutely a failure and then spending lots of time kind of meditating on that you know mm, so kind ruminating of, or meditating yeah ruminating I mean when I, when you when you glass blow um mm. then you're really really focused on one thing but your mind can just run 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 yes you know because yeah. or it's certainly minded anyway so I could be incredibly focused on doing the intricate things but actually in my mind I was just going through all of my different crises you know so um all of my different um short fallings um yeah, and, exactly. and then yeah. And, and then I basically I, I was made redundant um, from being a glassblower when when the recession hit. Um, so I lost my house. I had my house repossessed um, and fell into a nervous breakdown. Um, so, yeah. It's I, interesting. And I, the modifications that you talk about, you know, lots of people go through um, circumcision and obviously it can be a religious thing or it's just yeah. it, it can be, a, again, a medical thing. And, and actually, there's no there's no issue and it's the right thing to do and and people feel that that's right do you think because it was compounded by the other things that were going on in your life that that became you know the message to you was well you're not right that's why we've got to change you yeah i mean that was definitely in there although having worked with lots and lots of men who've who have been um circumcised because of religion and stuff like that mm. um most of them um, have a trauma around it you know Gosh. but and, and it, but it all depends how old it's done yes. for me it was five years old you know not, um, normally it's not done at that age anyway yeah you know so yeah um, oh I hear yeah. you so so you said that sort of losing or, or being made redundant from a job which I'm hearing you loved you yeah. fell into you know a, a little bit of a deep and dark place so will you explain what was going on there, Pete? And how did I, you, I, you know, crawl out of that? I fell into an absolute utter loathing of myself, you know, and that life life hates me and that, um, yeah, and the only way out is to kill myself, basically. So I, I, I got into that spiral of, of 
trying to work out the best way to kind of end my life um and just yeah and i i just i just was so i went to see the doctor um i was medicated i can't remember what they were what they were called but they they left me kind of feeling like a zombie kind of mm. not really able to focus on anything not really having any energy um and just not not feeling alive anymore um yeah you said and, earlier on yeah. it sort of numbed you didn't it and i guess for a you know, to come out of that deep, deep, dark place, maybe we need something, you know, we need something that helps us put our foot on the, the rung. But that didn't last too long for you, did it? No, it didn't last that long. I mean, it lasted about four months because um, a dear friend of mine, um, she told me about meditation um, and I started doing um, meditation. I started doing TM, um, Transcendental Meditation. And within doing TM, I suddenly remembered all of the breathing stuff that I that I learned when I was when I was young mm. um, and not not only when I was when I was kind of injured, but also what I would do with my breathing to help myself meet pain. And because I've, yeah. I've, I've been in pain ev ever since I was five, you wow. know, um, to varying degrees. Um, and so m using some of these breathing tools and techniques to um, yeah to meet that and changing the way in which I perceived everything. I, I started having kind of um, awakenings, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. Pete, Pete, will you tell people that, you know, obviously there's so many different types of ways that we can meditate. We can just come to the breath. You know, we can use the heart. We can use, um, you know, all sorts of techniques. And we're, I'm going to ask you about that later. But will you tell people for, for you know, those that don't know, what's transcendental meditation? What's the, What's that sort of niche? Transcendental meditation is a mantra meditation. So you're given a mantra mm. um, and you just and you just um, close your eyes. You sit with your spine up straight and you just repeat your mantra over and over and over. And you um, lengthen your breath so you can make um, the mantra more times within your within your breath. Right. And you just keep you just keep following that and following that. And I actually had a, a, a quite a strange experience with that because I. Um, after just a few weeks of doing that and i used to sit on my bed and do my meditation and do my mantra and my head would start moving and then my mm. whole spine would start moving and then my legs would start moving and after after a, a couple of months i would become buoyant and as i was doing my meditation and my mantra i would start actually start fl floating a little bit my legs would kind of move and i would mm. bounce on the bed um, and i took this to the, the tm teacher at the time um, and they said, stop it. And they said, you shouldn't be doing this. This is an advanced practice. You've got to have done at least a year of this. So, you, so you've got to stop doing this. And I'm just like, well, it's, it's happening to me, you know. <laughs> and they said, no, you've got to come on the advanced course for this. Um, and, oh, my goodness. And so I kind of, I, I didn't feel <laughs> like like um, I was completely met within that. And so I kind of yeah. just stopped, stopped going to the center. Um, but carried on doing my own my own practice um, and um, focused more on breathing than anything else, actually, because I, I absolutely fell in love with breath coming and going in my body. Yeah. Um, and, and contradictory, <clears throat> Pete. I mean, the idea, again, that you're doing it wrong or that, oh, my goodness me, you can't do that yet. You've got to go on another course to do that. Crazy, isn't it? I know it is. It is. Um, so, um, well that's it it was another little nudge for me you yes, know um yeah. 
and and soon after that i i got into i got into massage i got into reiki um, yeah, i mean yeah. i had such an amazing incredible experience within reiki um and i was working at a at a health farm um shrubland hall which was the first raw health farm in in the uk um rich and famous kind of coming there to to lose weight basically yeah um and i was doing um eight full body massages a day we were given 45 mm. minutes to do a full body massage i was doing eight of those a day and I was getting absolutely exhausted and drained yeah. and and taking on everybody's stuff, aches and pains and everything. And someone said, you need to go and do a, an energy healing kind of modality. And, and that that will protect you from from all of this stuff, you know. And, um, and they said, well, you can do uh, spiritual healing. This will take you a year or two years. Mm-hmm. Or you can go and do Reiki, which is a weekend. I'm just yeah. like, well, I'll do the I'll do the weekend thing. And then if that doesn't work, I'll go and do the proper one, you know. Yeah. And um in the reiki course um everybody was having all these incredible experiences they were having beautiful awakenings and kind of realizations and stuff and i was sitting there going "Mm, nothing's really happening i can't really feel anything Mm. but it wasn't until i got back in the room doing massage suddenly it was like i was massive and i was this huge being of light and i was everything i was doing i could feel my hands going way deeper inside of people and kind of moving Mm. things and it's amazing and and i instead of getting um tired i would just be totally energized and people started having incredible experiences on the massage couch you know Gosh, so for you it just needed a little bit longer to sink in for your body yeah. to feel it and to take yeah. that on i love reiki a, a friend of mine is um i find it incredible she'll put her hands over me and i will feel them and they'll be cold and within you know within 10 seconds your hands are warm aren't they because mm. of because of the energy that you're channeling and and anyone yeah. can do it really can't they it's one of those things i often think god you can't do that in a weekend but i think reiki is isn't it yeah it is i mean it's it, it's quite phenomenal um yes and it was so phenomenal that i i just wanted to share it and so i went and, and did all of the trainings that i could do and was teaching within a year um and then and then yeah taught all over the, the southeast of england um and Incredible. loved it and Incredible. just had yeah it was it was stunning yeah and then you said you went to thailand and you went to india and you were still you know again this thread of life being in in love with life was taking you with your you know these wonderful gifts to different places wasn't it and meeting different people yeah what what had happened was um i had um i'd rediscovered my curiosity um again and curiosity for me is is an absolute necessity in life you know um if we're not curious about stuff then um yeah i don't think we we live to the same capacity that we, that we can mm-hmm. um and and so my curiosity uh, in fact a friend took me across to to um thailand first of all to do a thai massage course and um and i oh my god i fell in love with the culture i fell in love with the people mm. i fell in love with the food um and being in a country where it's suddenly timeless you know that time time is is a very different thing mm. um and then going to india and and finding the same and i just fell in love with with um yeah with being yeah being in expansive places um yeah and and they helped helped me to to come into a deeper place within myself. Yeah, and so. he, I mean, and heal as we've said. There was so much by that stage in your life in terms of 
you know, trauma and definitely the pain that I guess through healing yourself, you've then had this wonderful passion to heal others. And you said to me through touch, through breath, through guided meditation, you know, different ways of reprogramming and dance, you know. So there's, again, what I feel from you, and I can feel it quite strongly from you, it is just this passion, it's this creativity, it is this curiosity for life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have these incredible senses, don't we? You know, and and um, we can either be absolutely captivated by them and let them really light us up and open us up, or or we can kind of just suppress them and squash them down and kind of and not really live, you know. And 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 if we go into judgment cycles around what we're experiencing, then um, then that's what happens. And when we're actually that's kind of what what we're taught to do actually we're taught to to judge everything to name mm. everything to to um yeah to not use our choices wisely you know um and actually my work nowadays is very much about teaching people uh, how to open and receive what is actually here without trying to go and get something else you know actually what is here is what life is putting in you right now so unless you're fully welcoming that and um and enjoying that then um you've got other you've got some work to do you know, yeah. because I, we can we can chase all of these wonderful experiences mm-hmm. um, on the outside forever. But unless we can actually receive life on the inside and really welcome this moment um, and really be totally free in and loving this and allow ourselves to be loved by this, because life is an incredibly deeply loving force field of energy. You know, life is breathing all of us simultaneously you know Mm. and it is loving all of us and if we open ourselves up to receive that then something else starts to happen in our awareness you know we come into a deeper freedom and a deeper a deeper way of living Mm. I think you're right and I think it is about doing the work and some of us have you know certainly after the last few years doing that deep work and accepting where you are and just going into it is um you know, if we don't do the work and we push it all away and we're pushing forward, then it, it pops up for us much bigger and, and and in a much more ugly way, doesn't it? It does. But what 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 I what I noticed was um after after kind of going on a, on a, a quite a strong and intense mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. seeking of my stuff, continually stalking my stuff and and finding all of my edges and stuff. At some point, I suddenly realized, you know what, if I. I could I could mm. keep doing this forever and ever and ever and never ever finish, you know. Or mm. I can align with joy and with love and with wonder. And then if I follow mm. my joy, um, then whatever is in the way of that joy that I need to meet, I will meet anyway. So mm. why seek all of my stuff? Why not just seek joy, connection, and love? Yeah, and and, and that's and- what I've been doing since. And talking of joy, connection and wonder, um, we have to talk about Kalindi. Kalindi is also oh. um, a valued member of Soul Hub, and I hope I get to speak to her at some stage. But um, Kalindi came into your life uh, you, almost, you know, it was the law of attraction, I'd say, listening, listening to you. You brought her into your life and she maybe brought you into her life. And you do a lot of your work um, together. So I want you to tell us about that. But but tell us about how you met Pete, because that's quite an incredible, incredible story, isn't it? Well, we both met in India, in the beach, on the beach um, in Goa. Mm. Um, and neither of us were would go to Goa, 
you know we we both loved india but we weren't really interested in that kind of party side of it mm. um and um i know it's very much more alternative now but um but back then it was much much more party party um and she was there to drop her son off with her ex-partner mm. and i was there to pick mm. my son up from my ex-partner um and they, they they had connections as well. Um, and it was just like we we were just meant to be. We were meant to connect. And yeah, lots of lots of things conspired to get us together, you know. Yeah. And you then said, that's you, some, said, you, you said yeah. there was a moment, Pete, where you you know, you, you had a date and um, you know, you sort of looked each other at each other and the, the layers just peeled back. Um it was almost Yeah, it was like a curtain surreal. curtain yeah. kind of opened for both of us and we both we both saw each other really deeply and we both just said, Oh, it's you and we we remembered each other from countless lifetimes you know and actually then went on a journey of we've we've trained in breathwork together we've trained in all sorts of things and um we've met lo met lots of lifetimes when we've been together i've generally died quite horribly in her arms most lifetimes and i've i've kind of had to um pray that it doesn't happen in this one again. <laughs> Um, right, so Pete, but, I'm going to have to ask you about that because I, 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 um, funnily enough, the friend who does Reiki talks to me about how many lifetimes she's had, and I, I, you know, I want us to, how do we make that accessible for people listening? What does that mean? How do you experience that? How do you know that? It's just a knowing. I mean, when when you do when you do breath work, you go into all sorts of altered states, and sometimes you. It's called um, the, the style that I use, or that I was originally taught, was rebirthing. It was called rebirthing because people would have these experiences of being born, reborn. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes people would go back further, um, and I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm kind of conflicted in the whole past life thing as far as um, whether it is um, me. Um, that I'm experiencing or whether it's just part of the collective because we all live in this soup of collective consciousness, you know, and um, we're all living in that. And it's like all of the thoughts that come into our head where our heads are like um, antennae, you know, but because they land in our head, we think that there are thoughts, but actually they're, they're happening everywhere, you know, and lots of people pick up on them all at the same time. So I am curious as to whether it is actually a soul something, a soul journey um, and a soul remembrance or whether it whether it's a, a re-experience of, of something else in the collective field, you know, but even so. Um, we, yeah, we, we went to places where we, where we were together, um, as different people, but we knew we were each, we, we knew we were with each other. Um, and yeah, it's, it's until you've experienced it, you can't really understand it, you know, mm, yeah, and no, even, I am... even when you've experienced it, you can't really understand it, tell you the truth. Yeah. It's interesting. I used to have somebody, um, who did a lot of, um, similar work and he used to say to me that. You know, he met his partner who was a, lo a lot older than him and that wherever he was, he could feel her heartbeat and tune into her heartbeat. And at that point in my life, over 20 years ago, I just thought, what? You know, I can't, you know, I can't even, I can't connect to that. I don't understand it. Mm. I'm not sure I can still connect to that, but I can certainly accept that that is, you know, the sort of experience that you're talking about now. Yeah. I mean, Kalindi is an incredible woman. She is incredibly, incredibly sensitive. And she has had 
incredible kundalini awakenings that puts her into a, a an awareness that most people would ne will never have in their lives and she's in that like all of the time it's like she's tripping all of the time eyes open seeing all oh, sorts of weird and wonderful things yeah. um and she can feel me she can feel me all the time you know if she Is puts her awareness yeah. if she puts her awareness in there and feels into me um she knows how i'm feeling you know, we are. It, that's, it's incredible. that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, and I love that. And I'm sure people might get in touch with you to ask you more about that. So will you talk about, um, you know, obviously you do all this wonderful work on your own. And I'm going to come a little bit back to your breath work in a bit because I want you to actually do something with us. But will you just tell us about the work with um, Kalindi? Because I know you work and she works as well with individuals, with couples. For me, um, you know, what, what I call this is the alternative couples counselling, really. Um, tell us a little yeah. bit about what you do, Pete, because it's different. It's unique. It's special. Yeah, I mean, we for one, we work with couples who like each other. Um, we only work with couples who like each other pretty much. You know, I mean, Kalindi, Kalindi works um, one to one or one to couple as well so she mm. uh, kalindi does a lot of sexual healing work um because her awakening was a kundalini awakening and it put her into incredible awareness of of our energetic field and our sexual energetic field mm. so she works a lot with that and, and so do i we, we both work as um, as tantric um healers mm. um but together we we work with couples um teaching them um ways to sorry ways to connect ways to open up to a more subtle something that's happening you know um we most people are so busy they miss each other you know and mm -hmm. they don't they don't really see that a relationship is something that it needs to be needs to be fed every day it's mm -hmm. like it's like having a plant and never watering it and it dies you know mm -hmm. a relationship is like that you have to cultivate it every day you have to choose your beloved every day you have yeah. to choose to like them you have to choose mm -hmm. to love them you have to choose to see beauty and goodness in them you know you have to nourish it within yourself and within within the relationship and we teach people how to do that so we teach them how to communicate better how to meet their emotions and feelings in a different way and in a non-triggery kind of way and when triggers come we have particular practices that that um take away uh, that, that take away the story and come back to sensation and and to really, really just work on a on a flat playing field again, because mm. when emotional triggers come, um, and especially the blamey kind of ones, you know, then they get so in the way. When we think that the other person is to blame for what we're feeling, um, which is yeah. which is 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 nonsense. You know, yeah. we're, what we're feeling is what we're feeling. Um, someone might have done something, but actually our feeling and our reaction is our own. And if we if we don't own that, yeah, um, then we're totally disempowered um and we have no control over it so but uh, and we teach people how to come back into taking taking responsibility um yeah. and yeah and and being able and responsibility means a ability to respond most people yes. are in reaction rather yes. than response yeah, you know? I just had funny enough. I just had a client before this, and I I had exactly that conversation. Uh, but but also with that, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, yeah, this needs to be proactive. I mean, all couples need to do this, and I think it is a daily practice. And you know, you look at I look at when I had my three children, and uh, again, all sorts of issues and quite exceptional issues along the way you don't necessarily have um, the priority isn't that partner. The priority is you're dealing obviously with quite vulnerable young people. So, you know, this is, I, I think it's something that we all need and we should all be paying attention on every day. And what a wonderful 
almost, you know, it's been cyclical for you. You started off with this breakdown and trauma over sexuality and you've now come full circle to supporting others and yourself through through this way haven't you through this form absolutely absolutely and and i mean we we follow we we follow sacred sexuality uh, or we we use sacred sexuality sexuality is an incredibly sacred piece of us our life force energy is is that you know i mean we're we're taught to separate sex and and feelings and everything like that but actually it's all part of this incredible divine flow that we are um you can't separate it at all um and yeah we just we just love educating people and and really bringing more intimacy into the world because intimacy is not just about sex you know intimacy is about how do you meet this moment how do you meet yourself how do you meet another um mm. in a place where you know you're safe and you know that and you know that you can just connect and be with someone without needing them to be in any other way mm. you know it's vulnerability um, isn't it and vulnerability brings that connection and that's our that's our shared humanity pete isn't it it is. It is. And and this stuff should be taught in schools. You know, yes, I mean, my, yeah. my bulletproof breathwork training that I created um, is all stuff that should be taught in schools. Yeah. How to learn how to breathe once again, because most of us breathe really, really badly, mm. which is informed by our trauma and by our, res- our, our reactivity. You know, we breathe reactively. Yeah. Oh my goodness, and, I agree with you. I mean, half our conversation, we're looking at what was what was said and done to you in school. And I see this in some of the 16-year-olds that I'm coaching right now. I certainly see it within my three children. Um, my goodness me, there needs to be an alternative curriculum, which is, it's it, you know, it's valid for life because the current one does not set them up for life, does it? Absolutely. We're not taught how to feel. We're not taught how to think. We're not no. taught how to meet sensations and emotions, you know, and we're not taught how to breathe. And these are all fundamentals. I mean, it's been sh- shown in science that um, any thought that comes into your mind will affect the way you're breathing. And then if you change your breathing, you will change your thinking. Of course. You know? Yeah. So um, so I, I kind of come come from it the other way. Yeah. Change your breathing and change your thinking, mm. and you can start making miracles in your life, you know? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Pete, will you will you do um a little breath work, not too long, but will you set us up and do um a little <clears> piece of breath work for us? Because I know that um you've said that your your son was an incredible teacher for you and that you know, what he did in terms of you watching the way that he breathed, you have then taken and translated into, you know, your own way of working. Do you think you can do that with us very quickly now? Or is that impossible? I can. Let me let me let me just say a little bit about it, about yeah. it. And then I'll yeah. then I'll yeah. I mean, basically, I've been a breath worker for 10 years. Um, I've been really interested in in all sorts of breathing ways, um, yogic breathing, um, qigong breathing, um, mm. and also therapeutic breathing, plus the stuff that I learned when I was young. Um, and then I had a baby um, and would sit there with this beautiful, incredible thing. And I was really, um, I, I would I would give, um, give Josh Reiki and um, I was incredibly empathic and I would um, just tune into him and watch him breathe. And he would breathe with his mouth open, but through his nose and his mouth simultaneously. And his diaphragm would, um, would just 
would just move. Uh, he, he, uh, he would breathe in and then he would release. <sighs> but then he'd also breathe out a little bit <sighs> and then he'd release. <sighs> and what I learned from him is most people only breathe half. They will breathe in and they will let go. <sighs> and when you let go, when, you're, when your breath is full, so let's just take a big breath in. Let's fill our lungs, okay. take a big breath in. Yep. doesn't matter if you breathe through your nose or your mouth right now. Fill, fill, fill. Hold your breath. Take a little bit more in. And then hold your breath. Now, you'll notice some tension in your body. You'll notice where you're holding your breath. And then just let go of holding your breath. <sighs> now, you didn't breathe out. The breath fell out of you. Okay, mm -hmm. that's because when we're breathing in our diaphragm, which is this huge, incredible muscle, mm -hmm. it draws down into um, into the lower part of our body. It, it draws down as we breathe in and it stretches the diaphragm. It puts it in tension. And then when we when we let go, the diaphragm pops back to its still point. It's relaxed place. You know, every muscle has a, a place where it, it it's when it's relaxed, it's just relaxed, you know. Mm. But then we, we also still have about half a lungful left. So then if you breathe out all the way. And you'll notice that that becomes tension, the more you're breathing yep. out, yep. you feel more and more tension um, in your diaphragm area. Yep. And then if you were to just let go again, the breath rushes back in. Mm. OK. And so what I noticed with him breathing was he would breathe in a little and then let go and then breathe out a little and then let go. Mm. And so when, when you're breathing out all of the way, the diaphragm is actually moving up into a, just into where the, the rib cavity is. And so and then when when you're empty of breath and you let go, the diaphragm pops back to its still point mm. again, for, mm. to its relaxed place. And what I noticed was he was playing. He was naturally breathing in, releasing, breathing out, releasing. And it was just a, a complete effortless flow. But within within that, you know, um, I started playing with that with myself and actually taking it to a much fuller breath. So I'd breathe in fully and release and mm. then breathe out fully and the release and noticed that there was something that happened in the core muscles of my body, not just my diaphragm, but we have these these two incredible muscles or a we have this 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 muscle that running down the front of the spine um, from just above the diaphragm. It's called the psoas muscle. It's the first muscle that grows in our embryology. Okay? Mm, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yep. I knew about the psoas, but I didn't know it was the first one. It's the first muscle that gets affected by fight or flight. It is our oh. hip flexor muscle. It's our fight yeah. or flight muscle. It's known as this muscle of the soul. It's known mm. as the, the emotional muscle, all sorts of things. And because it's it's our fight or flight muscle, um, it's constantly ready. It's watching yeah. and it's ready. Um, but by doing this little relaxation, this little surrender at the top and the little surrender at the bottom of the breath, that sends a little pulse of of relaxation through the body that tells the body that we're safe because when we're in fight or flight we're driving our breathing you yes, know but yeah. when we actually let go of our diaphragm then it puts this little pulse of relaxation through the psoas mm. and it tells the whole body that we're safe and our whole body relaxes wow and hey, does, that, does that relate to the vagus nerve as well um, it does relate to the to the vagus nerve. Also, what what relates to the vagus nerve is, is um, the softening of the jaw. 
you know, yes. when we're breathing yeah. um, and um, relaxing and keeping the throat open and things like that. I mean, there, there are so many things that are yeah. connected. Um, yeah. And in, yeah. in my in my Bulletproof Breathwork program, I kind of go into tiny little details and yeah. get people to reprogram and retrain the way in which we we have all of these reflexes, which are which are often um, conditioned by by trauma or conditioned by um, reactivity. Yeah, so. the, the breath is everything. You know, I, I, I've I've done lots of well-being masterclasses over the years, and I always, you know, focus on the 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 three points, which has been my triangle of nutrition and sleep and exercise. But I don't have a triangle anymore. I have a square. Um, and the more you know, the more I deep delve into this. Um, one thing I do want to ask you because I think this is an interesting point. I was saying that 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 sort of method of breath reminded me of the um the oxygen alternative what's it called the oxygen the oxygen advantage the oxygen advantage yeah, a little bit and then we got into a conversation about you know we are told and lots of lots of the literature at the moment certainly breath by james nestor which is highly acclaimed and lots of these techniques almost um you know they, they say that breathing through your mouth is is extremely bad for you and um villainize the breath work through the through, through the mouth you have a slightly different perspective on that pete and i think that's a really valuable thing for us to touch on here yeah i mean i in, in my breathwork journey i've cured people with asthma through breathing through their mouth you know I, I i've met chronic nose breathers who only ever nose breathe and are so stuck up in their head they're mm. never in their bodies so actually um yeah nose breathing is incredibly powerful and is incredibly necessary for most of our time mm -hmm. but if we purely nose breathe we don't have the same relationship that we can with our with our our feelings you know we are feeling beings mm. breathing through the nose brings the air up it cools the brain it and and it brings us into incredible states of clarity of focus and of control you know yeah. and Part, part of our yin yang nature is mm. control surrender yes. surrender is mouth breathing you know surrender yeah. is mouth breathing 100 you know and my background of of um therapeutic breathing um was um starting off with with rebirthing and rebirthing is very much about about um mouth breathing um and really coming into the, the feelings that are in the body and meeting them in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. Holotropic breathwork, again, incredible stuff through there. Wim Hof, I mean, Wim Hof has got more science done about yeah. him than any other breather. And he says, breathe through any hole you can, but mm -hmm. just get the breath in there. And he he has cured, or he, through his breathing techniques, mm -hmm. mostly mouth breathing, he has cured more things than any other style of breathing. Wow. That is really interesting because there is definitely at the moment, as I say, this almost vilification of um, breathing through the mouth. And I notice it and think, oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And obviously that's because, you know, one of the biggest reasons is it's a filtration process, isn't it, to breathe? Yeah, it filters, so, it, it warms it up. It does. Exactly. It does lots of amazing things. And I would yeah. say most of the time we need to breathe yeah. through our nose. But yeah. actually in times of trauma um in time i mean if you look at an animal when an animal has an accident or gets ready for a fight or after a fight or anything they release their energy they pant they breathe yeah. big and yeah. big and strong through their mouth they make sound they move their body mm. and 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 we suppress 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 you know and because we've suppressed for so long we need to actually mouth breathe strongly um mm. for periods of time 
short periods of time up to an hour or two hours or so and meet the meet the energy that that brings up mm. and then come back to our nose breathing and i have actually started um trying the the, the mouth taping um which right. um, james okay. nester talks about yeah um and I sleep much, much better. I have a right, much okay. deeper sleep. Yeah. I don't need to wake yeah. up in the middle in, of the night for a wee. You know, yes. yeah. there, there is a huge amount of, of what is said in there, um, yeah, that's which right. is which is incredible. Yeah. But yeah. as soon as you say one, one thing is bad and one thing is yeah. good or one thing is right and one thing is wrong, you're falling into a very dangerous territory. Yeah. And you, you know? know what? It's about balance, Pete, isn't it? And what I'm hearing, yeah. I don't know if this is right, but what I'm hearing from you with the yin and the yang, for me, that says balancing our sympathetic body with our parasympathetic where we have to feel into it and we have to know and we have to be able to relax. And, and everything's a balance, Pete, isn't it? Absolutely. And if you look at the size of hole you've got in your mouth compared to your nostrils, you know, we the body is not got any other parts of it that are a mistake. You know, yeah. breathing through yeah. the mouth is not a mistake. Yeah. You know, it's just become overused, you know, and actually you can breathe a lot of the day through your mouth. If you mm. breathe through your mouth properly, if you breathe through your mouth really softly and slowly and gently, mm. the, I think bringing more mindfulness to breath is more healing yes. than saying nose breathe, mouth breathe. Yeah, I think you're right. We we This is one thing that we don't want restrictions around or do it like this or because actually we just want people to come to the breath, don't we? You know, yeah, we when do all because breath, breath is life. Breath is yeah. God. You know, and when we let go and let it breathe us, it will inform us how we need to breathe rather than being a bloody scientific experiment. You know, I know we're not. Pete, I'm going to I'm just mindful of the time. And I've got a question that I have to ask you that I that I ask everyone. What makes you soulful? What makes me soulful? Um, living life itself. People often talk about people being spiritual utter nonsense we are spirit itself we can't be spiritual it is mm -hmm. just our nature um and the more conscious we can become of our nature um and for me what i experience is um if i focus on being um small or being in pain or being um in emotional charge then that is what my life is if i focus on connection if i focus on joy if i focus on wonder then that is what i am and that is what i shed uh, share with the world mm -hmm. if i'm down i share downness if i'm up i share upness we're we're here to connect we, we there's so many problems created by disconnection you know yeah. so what makes me soulful is living the best most incredible life i can and aligning to bliss to joy to wonder and beauty and then whatever's in the way of that will come up and i'll meet that you know gosh that's actually giving me shivers down my spine um and one thing i know you started out by telling me today because i said what's the dna of pete we want to communicate you know cut you open like a stick of rock what comes out of you one of the other things that you know and i can feel your passion you said to me we've got to just talk about music because i use music as a portal in my work too 
yeah music oh my goodness i mean i I started playing the violin when i was five years old um and then again got that squashed out of me because of of doing doing um i got i got a music scholarship actually to my school and then they said you can't play jazz you've got to play um classical music um and i dropped music you know it was crazy because i and i was too dyslexic to actually sight read so so um and they wouldn't allow me to to listen by ear and play which i could you know um the more i hear about your childhood the more um yeah i mean it's painful to even hear it isn't it it's just uh, the sad thing is my parents would have stopped it all if they'd have known and you didn't tell them no i didn't tell them yeah no so but but i mean music music can evoke um remembrance you know so can smells you know yeah. i lo- i love beautiful things you know i love i i create smells i create incense i love creating lovely food mm. um i um i love creating wonderful experiences um and and music and i i make music um i love vocal harmony i've run choirs that are mm. kind of based in in fact i ran a choir in glastonbury because we moved i moved to glastonbury um 15 years ago um and i wanted to share my work and i was just like how can i share spirituality with people who think they know spirituality um and so i ran a choir and got them to breathe and to be in resonance and be in harmony and to be in love um and it was absolutely ecstatic it was called succulent hum um mm. and it was beautiful yeah Gorgeous. so uh, yeah i love Gorgeous. i love yeah and i i use um all sorts of music within within my breath journeys and with my healing journeys and stuff like that and it just so- transports people so Pete, before we close, I have to I have to just ask you where can people find you? Because I'm sure that people are going to want to find you, talk to you, understand more about your work. Great. Well, um, because I believe we are all naturally ecstatic, that is where they find me, naturally-ecstatic.com. Um, I I am naturally ecstatic on um Facebook and also on Instagram. I do a um two two free um, breathwork sessions a week um tuesday mm-hmm. mornings at 7 30 and um friday mornings at eight o'clock there on instagram live um and yeah and i've got all sorts of online courses and do one-to-ones and do groups and all sorts and that can all be found on my naturally ecstatic website which at the moment is actually being revamped so it's not all up there at the moment but um yeah. If you go, if you come on my website, there's a little thing that says um, sign up to my newsletter and get some free tools and stuff. Um, yeah. And that will that can set you on a journey of kind of having some of the tools that I use within my life. Um, and Wonderful. yeah. And then I'll keep Wonderful. you posted as to what goes on. Yeah. So, and obviously people can again can find you on Instagram. And the first step might be to tune into one of your lives, which which I think I'm going to have to do myself, Pete. It's been oh, please um, do. It's yeah, been yeah. a I mean, complete pleasure speaking to you today um, and just spending time with you and feeling your energy. I know people can't see you on this podcast, but if they could, they would see that you're wearing bright red, your glasses are red, and you just give off a wonderful <laughs> energy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love it. I do. And and I really believe that, you know, we are we are all community, you know, and we all have the capacity to love um, yeah. each other. And when we get beneath all of the nonsense, you know, we are naturally ecstatic and we drop into this field of, of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I that's there for everybody, you know, really. Hallelujah is. for that. Let's uh, let's leave it on that note, Pete. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having so me. Much. So beautiful. Lovely. Thank you. Take so care, much. my love. Bye.